0: And our chapter for today is Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar's feast. Well, it was a big holiday. The intelligence was in from Cyrus and Darius. And they had for some time been waiting for this night. And now it was all coming together. It was coming together from an intelligence standpoint, it was coming together from a biblical standpoint. And God was in heaven working it all out because, you see, there was a man that had decided he wanted to mock God and make fun of God. And that never works out in the Bible or in life. And so we pick up on the narrative in chapter 5 of the book of Daniel. Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the commandment to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem. So here he came in mocking God and bragging about destroying the temple. You see, the Bible's not complete in detail, so we don't know what he said, what he did as preparation for this. But it said his father, Nebuchadnezzar. Well, in in one sense, he was. He was his grandfather. Because, you see, Belshazzar was a younger man. Nebonidas was his father. And he was away during this time on a campaign. And Belshazzar, his son, was working as a co-regent. That means he was taking care of things while dad was away. His grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, was already off the scene and had already died, and now he was having a party while Dad was gone, and he got carried away, and he and his wives, his lords, his concubines, drank from all these vessels, the sacred vessels that had been set aside for the use of God. Then they brought those gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines drank from They drank wine and praised the gods of gold, silver, and bronze, and iron, wood, and stone. And listen to this. And in the same hour... The fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand. That's interesting because this is the only time in the Bible that this word is used. Now, normally you would have the word menorah. You would have the lampstand. But this is the only time this word used. It's Aramaic, but really it has its origin, most scholars believe, and linguists In the Assyrian language, it's a fascinating word, and it just talks about the light shining. It could have actually been the menorah from the temple itself. We don't know that. But it is mentioned, and it's odd that it's mentioned because, of course, there would have been all kinds of uh, lampstands at a party this size, but it says the lampstand. It is uh, the one, the particular one. It could have been the actual menorah. We don't know that. But it was so prominent and such a thing that it's mentioned in the text. It was on the plaster of the wall that fingers of a man's hand came in the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him. Oh, I wish you could see this, so that the joints of his hips were loosened and the knees knocked against each other. In other words, his knees broke off diplomatic relations and went to war. That's right, because you see, in great times of trauma... I have read about this, I have heard about it, I've had personal testimony about it, that when men are in great times of trauma, knowing that their life was in the balance, knowing that all it took was a hair trigger to be pulled, they could leave this world in just a moment, that their very joints would loosen, the hip sockets would begin to loosen, their knees would begin to knock, before they could talk, before they could say anything, before their mouths could open their knees would literally begin to shake and this is part of the body's reaction to trauma and this is what happened this was a traumatic experience for him and that's why all these words are just compounded here in the text and so it says that his knees knocked against each other that's not metaphorically that is in reality Then the king cried aloud. In other words, he began to shout. This was a panic shout to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, and the king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be third in the kingdom. That is after his father, Nebonidas. This is why he said third in the kingdom, because he was second. Now all the king's wise men came but they could not read the writing and make it known to the king that is its interpretation then the king Belshazzar was greatly troubled and his countenance was changed in other words he didn't even, it wasn't party time anymore The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And this is what is said of Daniel all the time in the text. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, again, his grandfather, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians. Now this was happened in chapter 2. Uh, the astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, inasmuch as an excellent spirit of knowledge and understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, explaining enigmas, were found in Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Isn't this amazing? This queen knew him by his Hebrew name. Then Daniel was brought in before the king, and the king spoke and said unto Daniel, Are you that Daniel, who is the one of the captives from Judah, whom my father and the king brought from Judah? I have heard that you, that the spirit of God is in you and that you have light and understanding and excellence and wisdom is found in you. Now, the wise men, the astrologers have been brought before me and they should read this writing and make it known unto me, but they could not give the interpretation. And I've heard that you, you can give interpretation and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its uh, interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold. On and on he went. Then Daniel answered and said before him, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another word. In other words, he said, Keep your money. I don't need your money. I have God. I don't need your money. I have everything I need. I don't need your money. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty, glory, and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all people's nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was disposed of his kingdom and of his throne, and they took from him his glory. Then he was driven From the sons of men, his heart was made like beast, and dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen. His body was wet with dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all of this. You knew it, son. You knew it. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven, They have brought the vessels of this house before you and you and your lords and wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold and iron and wood and bronze and stone which do not see nor know. The God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not given glory to. You've not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him this writing was written, and this is the inscription that was written. Mini, Mini, you Eupharson. This is the interpretation of each word. Mini. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekal. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation proclaiming him that he should be third ruler in the kingdom. Now that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. What an amazing story. You see, the backstory of this is they had had great intelligence. They knew there was going to be a party. They had bragged about it. This man, like all proud men, cannot keep anything to himself, and so he's made his brags about what he's going to do. And he was going to bring in these vessels of this great King Shlomo, Solomon, and King David, and all of these captives were going to have rubbed in their face that they were there at the hands of the great Babylonians. God saw it all. And he had Cyrus and Darius, and they had been working for some time on a plan. And again, they had good intelligence. They had people that were already cooking this up because, you see, they had moles on the inside. Well, of course they did. You say, how do you know that? The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say a lot of things. But these kind of things just don't happen. And so their intelligence was right on because they had planned this. You say, how do you know they had planned this? Because the history books have been written. And we know what happened because the Medes and the Persians got upstream. They knew that these great city walls of Babylon were so high and so thick. One historian said that you could race six chariots on top of the city walls. This was an impregnable fortress. And the river ran right through the middle of it. A channel of the river ran right through the middle of it. And so they knew this was going to happen. So they rechanneled some of the river water into another canal, upriver, upstream. They diverted the stream, the river itself. Because you see, as it ran through the middle of the city, there were great passageways that this river ran through. And they had iron grates that went down into the water, below the water, so that no boats could pass. No one could swim through. They would have to go so deep underwater because these iron grates would be put down and the city would be impregnable. And so... What the Persians and the Medes did, they diverted the water, and all of these guards were celebrating and were drunken while these were the mighty Babylonians. No one could ever conquer them. And so what they did while they weren't looking and while the day was getting along and the sun was setting, they began to divert the stream, the river. And what happened was the water level went below those iron grates. And so what they did is they came in under those, came up on the city walls while there were steps that came up out of the river. They walked in without shooting an arrow, without throwing a spear. Now, the history books tells us, by the way, that there was great damage done, but I don't think that was because of a fight. I think it was simply because the melees that followed and what happened as the recognition that the city was falling. And, of course, these Medes and Persians, they wanted to do some damage to show their mind and strength as well, as in all takeovers and conquering of ancient cities. But they went in, and that night they killed Belshazzar. And God said, according to Daniel, that it was because of his own proud heart. He stepped over the line. Is there a line when God says, even to a heathen king, that's enough? Well, ask Nebuchadnezzar, this boy's grandfather, and he'll tell you. God put him out to eat straw as an oxen. He grew so much hair that his hair was like feathers. His Fingernails were like claws of an eagle. You see, God knows where to find anybody. There's no ruler on earth, no king, no earthly potentate. No matter if he's president of China or the president of Russia or the president of the United States or he is in whatever kingdom he's in, he is no match for the God of heaven. God weighs everyone in a balance. Every leader, and one day every leader will stand before the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. And they will stand as he stands on the Mount of Olives. They will stand in the Kidron, the eastern valley, the valley of Jehoshaphat, that is Jehoshaphat, the place where God will judge And the rulers of the earth will be judged according to how they have treated the people of Israel. Yes, it is important how we treat God's people Israel. You say, well, I thought God's people was the church. Well, God's people are the church, but his primary people, the people that were here before the church started will be here when the church leaves, is the people of Israel called the Jews. And the anti-Semitism and Jew hatred of modern day and future times will be judged when Messiah comes. And he will usher in the messianic age. Many call that, because of the book of Revelation chapter 20, the millennial kingdom. Because he will reign for kilia for a millennium, for a thousand years. But the Jews just call it the messianic age, when Messiah will reign, the son of David. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are. God has the final say. And it would behoove each and every one of us to realize that we will bow before him then or now. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is the Lord. You say, do you really believe that? That's what the Bible says, and I believe the Bible. Both the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah, the New Covenant. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.